Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Hey guys, it's Malls. Thanks so much for listening to Please Advise. Just a quick message before the show. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes. It's super helpful for us and super helpful for you. You can also call 323-450-7408 to get your calls on the show. Again, 323-450-7408. Or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thanks so much. Hey guys, it's episode 163 of Please Advise. I'm joined today by my guest, Jesse Annis. Hi, girl. How are you? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. Good. No, I want to just introduce you and like get into this because we've already like teed up about three things that I want to talk to you about. Um, I'm going to get this weed pen working in a minute. One of the things I talked to you about already was how I got stoned last night for the first time in like a year. <laughs> and it was a, I just like stopped smoking like actual weed like I will smoke out of a weed pen or I'll eat a weed gummy and I was so um just out of it I left Christina voicemail apparently was it like nice was it verbally abusive <laughs> it was like, a little bit of both really yeah I was with Angela right <laughs> yeah I was at her house our next guest Angela Ronaldo who's coming on we worked together probably like eight years ago at Style Network we worked at Scrappers together yeah but she remembers your smile very well like that's Aww. what she was saying last night I know right <laughs> But guess who I'm seeing tonight, Jesse? Oh, tell me. So my best friend Ed, his birthday is on April 20th. So we usually do like a fun show or something because I always wind up traveling on April 20th, which is just not the best best friend move of me. But I also feel like that's his – he should just move his birthday at this point because that's clearly my vacation <laughs> time. Um, and also like there's a lot of negative connotation. And it's like the Columbine – day it's it's hitler's birthday so i feel like ed that doesn't reflect any of his personality he should just move his birthday maybe ed was born on that day to change that narrative to change the narrative oh, I love this. he's such a ball of light and goodness yeah. yeah that i feel like he can can you imagine columbine happening on ed's birthday no. like ed's just out here trying to have a birthday i guess he would have been a sophomore in high school because i was a freshman it was like the kids who have birthdays on 9-11 yes yeah exactly like, yeah. exactly so the show came up and I was like, oh, I have to get uh, tickets. And like normally I would do VIP or something, but it was all sold out because this is a big deal. Are you familiar with Countess Luan de Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so she's bringing her cabaret show to L.A. for one night only. Oh, and tonight we're going. Girl. I know. I'm so excited. That's going to be so fun. And I don't know. Like I've kind of really wished Sonia showing up into the world. I've really put that out there. I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> but I mean, I just would be surprised if Sonia showed up anywhere. But I think there's gonna be some guest surprises. I don't know who Countess Sue-Ann's, like touchstones are out here. I don't think she has like a Beverly Hills counterpart the way that like Bethany and Kyle are really good friends or whatever. So I'm very excited unsure what to expect it is Cinco de Mayo when we're recording this which is like you know a pretty big drinking holiday I should order like some champagne or something for Ed right I should probably get that going on Postmates but yeah so that's my plan tonight and I'm really excited about it and um, I'm still also just a little bit stoned 
Well, I got no judgment about that. So it's like a mixture of excitement and just like lag time. Yeah. I'm definitely dealing with like a press hangover, which I didn't know was a thing. Yes. But apparently if you talk about yourself for too many days in a row, you wake up just really upset. (laughs) So you just did Life of the Party, which is coming out, which is your first like big, big fucking movie. Yeah. It's definitely the biggest part I've had in a studio movie or really in anything. And I had like, you know, a ton of time to shoot the movie and I do a ton of improv in it that they used. And I'm just really proud of it and happy I get to promote it. Are you Melissa McCarthy's sister? I'm her daughter's best friend. And so she joins our sorority and we all become sorority sisters. I love that. Were you in a sorority? You went to Sarah Lawrence. They didn't have them, right? No, they didn't have them. The only fraternity sorority experience I had was that I went to visit a friend of mine at Barnard and we went to a Columbia fraternity party and I had a full-blown panic attack and pulled the fire alarm so I could leave. No way. Yeah, I couldn't stand it. I mean, it was the middle of winter and the the theme of the party was beach theme. Okay. And all these beautiful, you know, 20 something women showed up to the party in their North Face parkas, right. took the parkas off, and were in bikinis. And they yeah. had filled the basement of this frat with sand. Uh-huh. And I remember just being like, the, the logic isn't here. Uh, what are we doing? I, just, I know. I know. It was BC awful. girls, I went to Boston College. We were like, by the way, how many times have you told that story this week? Probably 20. Okay. Yeah. I like, as <laughs> it was coming out, I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I was like, as it was coming out, I was like, I just did to her what she's been doing for a week. But I, First of all, I totally think I understand that. I get really bad, like, decision fatigue. Like, I could only make so many decisions in a day before I'm like, I'm going to, I can't. Like, it's just the decisions are becoming all the wrong ones. But I think that that's, like, might be similar where it's just, like, you can only do so, you can only do so much of the same thing. And that is, like, for some people, it's exhausting to talk about yourself. You would fucking hate that. Christina would be so mean to the interviewers. She won't even tell me what cereal she has for breakfast. She'd be like, why do you need to know? Right. What's what's specifically bizarre about this press tour is that I I truly loved the experience and I want to talk about the movie as much as possible. But when you're doing a press junket, you get three minutes with each person. And they they, usually ask all the same questions. They ask all the same questions. Everyone's like, what was it like working with Melissa? And not to sound like a suck up but genuinely no matter what I say I don't feel like I'm giving her enough like right. it was the best experience and if you just say it was the best experience people are like oh she probably didn't have very much fun on that movie or whatever it right. is like it doesn't sound convincing there, there are no words that fully describe how special she was and what a good leader she was so I've been trying to regurgitate different versions of the same thing and nothing nothing like gives her justice you know did you do the day at the four seasons yeah. where everyone just comes to you so that was my first like day job in LA was I was working as a in publicity at New Line when I was like an intern and that was like the first thing they did was it was for the wedding crashers and I'll never forget how surreal it was that like they just I was with a young Bradley Cooper unknown young actor at the time and like it was so fucking surreal to me like how they just moved the press around the celebrities they just bring each person and they stick them in a room and then like the people just come to you and you're right it's the same fucking questions over and over again the only like it's like also like you know sometimes you get like local news entertainment reporters who are like in their 50s 60s and they're like hi I'm Chet like Hinklebottom from (laughs) like Iowa W74 News so how cool was it working with Melissa I will say there was something cool about this press junket because we're promoting a movie about being close with your mom a lot of the journalists came in with their moms and the moms were usually so excited and upbeat to be there and they probably thought they were the only one who thought that about that idea yeah exactly and there were a lot of moms and it was fun like it's my first real press tour and to get to spend it with all these moms who were so stoked to be 
a part of it, I was like, oh, this is kind of a cool vibe. And also we had a lot of Latina uh, journalists who were so like kind and excited to be there. And so it didn't feel like I was just a part of a machine. Was there a reason awesome. for that? Is there like a Latina angle to the movie? Well, Adria Arjona is in the movie. And, oh, okay. And she's a incredible. plus pronunciation. Thank you, you so just much. Like, uh, you just slayed me a little bit. Oh, thank it. you. Yeah. I've practiced quite a bit. Okay. Um, I, I We worked in Atlanta and pretty much everyone on the crew was like, Adria? <laughs> Adria Arjuna and she would just try to be so I mean she was so kind to everyone but there were definitely days where I watched like her amazing. right eye just twitch and she was like it's just not the way my parents wanted me to be referred to <laughs> yeah it's interesting my um my nieces don't have typical names and I always wondered why and then my sister-in-law uh posted a quote on her Instagram that was something I'm paraphrasing but it was just like give your your daughters difficult names because then um, you can tell if someone respect it, that commands the full use of their tongue because you can tell oh. if someone makes the effort to pronounce their name right. You yeah. can tell that that person's good or respectful. Yeah. Or like, you can tell a lot about a person if they put in the effort to say your name right. That's I love that. That's yeah. lovely. So it's like she has a built in. They they both have built in like filtering systems and that's really smart. Yeah, that's that's very bright. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was drunk when he named me, so there wasn't <laughs> was. a lot of thought put into it. Uh, yeah, my name is supposed to be Dylan Bray Ennis, and then my mom gave birth to me. My dad was so stoked to be a new dad that he was like, I got to go out. And yeah. so he went out to some like bar and got drunk with strangers. And then uh, he was like inspired all of a sudden, and he went home and changed our voicemail, and he changed it to like, Hi, everybody. We just had a beautiful baby girl. She weighs this much. She has blue eyes. Uh, she was born at this time, whatever. And her name is Jessie Hannah Ennis. And my mom, who was at the hospital, like completely abandoned by her husband, was like, hey, I thought you were getting pizza. What's going on? Right. So she went to call home thinking maybe he just went home to grab stuff. And she got that voicemail. And she was like, Jessie Hannah? We're, we never even discussed this. Also, I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing name story. Most yeah. people, it's like, yeah, no, that's really that's a good one. And also, like, Jessie is so much more mainstream than Dylan. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I think, he, I think I it's think two great-grandma's right names mushed together. Oh, okay. But I can't tell you how many people think my name is Jessica. And I'm like, no, a drunk guy named me. It's a nickname. My right. name is a nickname. And when I was, like, eight, I had a fit where I screamed at them. And I was like, no one's ever going to take me seriously. You gave me a nickname. Oh, my God. And they were like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> You're very serious about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I was not into I was not into Molly as a kid. I thought it was such a weird name. Because, like, it also was the 80s. Now it's, like, the most popular, like, little girl's name. I love that name. There. Thank you. But yeah, I thought it was like so weird when I was a kid. I would just be like, can you just like call me Katie or something? Oh. <laughs> I just wanted some like even more whitewashed name than Molly somehow. But it was like too. It was. Yeah, I always wanted a name like Jesse because that was very cool as well when we were growing up. Oh, cool. I think probably because Full House, Uncle Jesse. Right. Um, is a very rock and roll name. That was my uh, preschool boyfriend's name, Jesse. Did you have a boyfriend in preschool? I did. His name is Trevor. And uh, I remember we had like so many fantasies about growing up together. And, oh, yeah. And all this. And I remember we like f we, we went to a French school and we had heard that you were going to say we fucked. Like I literally. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I know. Like no. I'm so gross, too. This is the worst part. Like literally brain my brain just places. like is just completely blacked out what we were talking about. And, OK, sorry. Continue. So we had heard about French kissing. And I remember we thought it was just regular like a peck where you go. Hum, 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 hum. So we would like we would like kiss each other and just make 
those like French guttural noises. And I told my dad like, Trevor and I French kiss. And he was like, you're not hanging out with Trevor anymore. No. You're in kindergarten. What's going on with you? Yeah. That's we got like married a- multiple times. That's wonderful. Yeah. No, I don't think kids do that anymore. My Christian YouTube kids, they don't, they don't date. I'm sure they're just not putting it on the tube. I mean, I just, yeah, I thought that was like a really fun. I'm also like, my mom was like, I think, you know, my mom was like a single mom and I don't think she realized like how like inappropriate that yeah. is. And so like, yeah, like I used to go on dates with Jesse. Like we used to go fully pick him up and like go on dates. And like, I like, you know, I thought it was a real date. I was like, you know, four and I thought it was for sure a real date. I do remember a weird mom at the lycée who approached my mom and she was like, Francois really likes Jesse. We'd love to take her out for a movie, maybe take her to dinner. And my mom was like, I'm not sending my daughter on a date with your eight-year-old son. French child. Yeah. yeah. And why are you trying to set up our kids? Oh, Americans are so repressed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's totally true, man. So... Wait, I will say you are our second guest from Sarah Lawrence on the oh, show. Oh, cool. Who our was first, the first was Neve Shulman. Nice. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, which is like a classic episode because it's so <laughs> fucking weird. It's the weirdest from episode. From Catfish? Yeah. yeah. I did not know he went to Sarah Lawrence. How he cool. He did, and he punched a girl in the face. <gasps> That's like his... <laughs> was it like, punch or slap? I can't... He punched. Some sort he of... Punched. Yeah. Like, she was... It was at a party, and he didn't realize it was a chick. Um <laughs> And <laughs> that's easy at Sarah Lawrence. Yeah. And like it was like gay night of sorts, like where it's like their version of like it was some sort of like prom slash like coming out party sort of like thing that they had. Uh-huh. And he was there taking pictures. And I think there was someone kissing like behind him that he didn't realize like wasn't out or something. And so like the girl like got in between him and his camera. And like I think she knocked the camera out of his hand or something. And his like re- he thought it was a dude. So his retaliation was to punch and then like he was unceremoniously kicked out of the school. But wow. Yeah, that was our you're our second Sarah Lawrence guest. Well, I'm a lot better than that. I got no uh probably punch the only stories. one who graduated. I mean, that's the best part. Yeah, I graduated Out against my will. I was so ready to drop out. My I I had made a short film that went to Sundance and got got me an agent and my I was told my agent right away I was like I'm ready to drop out let's do this let's yeah. let's attack this career situation and she was like oh I'm not going to represent you if you don't have a diploma and my mom was like I love your agent yeah did you have like one semester left or something? I had two semesters. I had one year left. Yeah. I didn't want to go back either. Like right when I figured out that like I wanted to work in this business when I had my internship out here, I was like, oh, I don't need to like finish my degree. Like I'll be fine. And um, I just kept saying Mary Kate and Ashley didn't finish college. No. I mean, and aren't we just like that? You I know, wish. I have a tattoo, right? Of Mary Kate and Ashley. Where? Right here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're, like bigger too. <gasps> That's so good. Isn't it fun? Yeah, my friend and I got them. Like, we weren't drunk, actually. We were, like, shockingly sober when we got them done. And I, like, kept saying to the guy, like, can we, like, have a drink? And he was like, yeah, I guess. Like, but they can't tattoo you drunk. But, like, I was like, can we get drunk while you're doing the tattoo? Smart. And it was probably, we finished at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning. That was, like, the the craziest part was we... Started at 11 and went till 5 a.m. Holy smokes. But that was like that whole Austin trip for me was just like going like we were go to sleep with the sun coming up. So, um, yeah. But yeah, that was a really a good weekend of good decision making. This has been all over the place, the intro. But let's like get into the calls because we have a bunch of good ones, right? Yep. Okay, let's do it. Sweet. I'm excited. So my name is Ben and my question is very simple. 
when a guy sends me a selfie, if it's in a bathroom, I'm more concerned about how nice his bathroom is than what he looks like. And if he sends me a bedroom, I'm clearly looking at the whole entire bedroom. And my question is, is this what makes me single? Because I'm more curious about the way he organizes his life versus just the way he looks, the way he goes. Anyway, that's my question. Mine is Ben. Bye-bye. Okay. So this is Christina, 100%. It's just like... <laughs> I called and uh, disguised my voice. <laughs> and by the way, very good voice. Thank ben you. has a great voice. Well, you know what? I feel like my love of musicals and drag, you know, I'm really like a gay man. Yeah. And a, a woman's body. I'm sure they'll appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so Jesse, <laughs> um, you're engaged now. So you, I would say you're probably the most fit at this table to answer oh. a question about dying alone. Um, where, <laughs> where are you? Where are you at with this assessment? I think you've got your priorities in line. Yeah. There's no need to judge the book by its cover. However, he's giving you all these clues in the background. Like you should take in everything there is in the picture. And a lot of the time, the way the person looks doesn't really tell you much about them at all. Totally. But how they organize or how what random thing is sitting on their bedside. Exactly. Table. If there's a book, what book is it? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. That's are there important. random pill bottles everywhere? Like, is there weed in Me. the background? Like, figure out yeah. what what vibe you want from the from the rest of the picture. I think that's smart. And also, you're you're just single because you haven't met the right person yet. Yeah. Totally. And it goes two ways too. As a messy person, like a cluttered person, like yes, Martha comes and wipes down every surface of this home, but like it's like thirty minutes before everything is back everywhere. I'm also like one of those people too that I have like an insane memory of where everything is. But I say two things about messy people. It's either a sign of mental illness or it's a sign of genius. And I'm like, which one is it? Genius. Mentally ill genius, maybe. I mean, like, <laughs> I'll cop to, like, mental illness for sure. Like, I have depression and all that stuff, <laughs> which I think is a factor in it. Like, yeah, I'm, a lot of times I'm too depressed to, like, run around cleaning up after myself. I don't give a fuck. Like, I, I think just, geniusness and mental mental illness. They go happen. hand in yeah, hand, they're right? Like they're cousins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, I think Ben, like, here's the thing. If you're like one of those people where that matters to you, then it matters to you. That's not going to change. Like, you know, I also like, I don't know. I wouldn't challenge you to change that about yourself. There are a lot of things that people call and I'm like, you need to maybe like lighten up on this stuff. Personally, I look at someone's eyes when I'm like looking at their Tinder thing. Uh-huh. I also think the mirror <laughs> selfie is fucking aggressive. I think that's like a really aggressive move. Like, just send a selfie like, like the, this. Like, yeah, we've got the like... we've got the front facing camera for a reason, right? I think maybe it's a body thing. Like a lot of times when guys are sending a mirror selfie, it's about like presenting the image of their full body. Which... But there's also a timer on the phone. I don't right. need to see your reflection in the mirror. Yeah, it's a lot. Like I, the only time I ever do that is well, the back the... camera is better than the front camera too. What do you mean? So that's like this, that like the quality, like the megapixels, mm-hmm. like oh. of the cameras are different. Wait, which one do you think is the back camera? The one, the on one the that faces out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think too. But I don't know, man. Like I would rather just get a regular selfie. I feel like you can tell a lot more. You can see if the person has life in their eyes. They're like a good person. I can totally tell if someone's a psycho by their eyes. Nice. You know, what do you think of me? I think you're a good person. Thank you I've so always much. thought you were a good person. But like, you know, some people are just like they have that 
sinister thing or like there's like that no one light. Over, like that runaway bl- bride that claimed that mexicans kidnapped her yeah do you remember that no, no. it was like oh a, wait uh, yeah. yeah we've talked about this right yeah. like in our friendship at least right yeah, yeah. yeah. it was a, a white woman a couple of years ago <gasps> that went missing um right before her wedding and then she when they found her they she claimed that she had been kidnapped by mexicans <gasps> she has a really interesting last name too it's like a five syllable last name that something. sounds like but something like, else i remember yeah. her face because like you can totally see like the whites of her eyes or like that's like the most of you can see that's you know like it's she was just super like, blonde like, wait like when you can type. see the white on the top and the bottom of the of it's the... like everything like all it's just like she's like very white it seems like she's her crazy. like iris is smaller than every like like it's just yeah. I remember reading something back in the day of the hills, which I'm sure you watched. Yeah, of course. About Adrena Pe- Patridge is that her last name? Yeah, ceiling eyes. Yeah, the ceiling eyes thing, and people were saying how because you could see the white around her whole eye, like the color part of your eye, yeah. that it meant that she was crazy or something like that. Really? And I was like, I can never imagine. I just would never have picked up on that until I read this whole thing about like. And then I remember staring in the mirror and being like, okay, okay, good. My, yeah, you're all my good. My eyelid touches the blue. Yeah, you're all good. Um, My thing with her is I can't believe she got bling ringed. Like, I never thought she had, like, such I great know. fashion that, like, she'd be on my short list of people whose houses I'm going to ransack. She probably just, they just knew it would be unlocked. Yeah, they were like, like this one's going to be easy and we know where she is because she posts about it all Always the time. Always on hide or something. Yeah. yeah, totally. Or, like, um, she's a big, um, I feel like, snowboard person. Like, that's where I'd see her at. That's mentally where I see her. Is that, like, a snowboard event? I love it. I just always imagine her on the back of Justin Bobby's motorcycle. Totally. Oh, wait, did you hear she and Ryan Cabrera are back together? Thank no, God. Thank God. Week. We need another album. I mean, we need, yes, exactly. I hope she inspires a new album for Ryan. Um. But I saw that this week and I was like, this is the most D-list piece of information <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's been a really long time, I think, since I've because celebrity is so even now. Like, it's just everyone is kind of like a B-list, C-list, B-list now because of the Internet. Yeah. But I was like, it's been a really long time since I've seen a piece of information that I'm like, this could not be less relevant. Like, I'm shocked <laughs> that this got written up Right. because neither of them are like doing anything right now. Um, speaking of that, have you been following Kendra Wilkinson's like journey at all? No, what's going on there? She and Hank just got divorced okay. and she uh, went brunette and she fully looks Big like Jodie. Big mistake. I know. Because like blonde is her thing. She fully went like she looks like Jodie Arias. I'll show you a picture of it right now. And I love Jodie. She's like up there for me on my short list with like Aaron Carter, who you noticed I have a doll of earlier. This is your short list of people whose homes you'd like to break the rice? Uh, yes, but also, like, people who I just pretend I'm obsessed with, and then, like, with Aaron in particular, I got a phone call from a friend of mine being, like, he's not well. Like, you might want to, like, uh, stop that bit in case something happens to him, but then he went to rehab. He's fine. Now. That's great. He was my little sister's first celebrity crush, and she was, like, Aww. so in love with him in a way that was, like, I mean, you know, like, little kids about Justin Bieber. He, she was just like, I love Aaron. We're going to get married. And she had a T-shirt that she would sleep with. And Who was she- that for you? Oh, good question. Probably Gwen Stefani. I was really into <laughs> Gwen Stefani. I yeah. had pictures of her everywhere. Um, and then David Byrne. Like, at a really young age, I had a huge crush on David Byrne. My parents were like, do you have daddy issues that we don't understand? Like, <laughs> right? why are you in love with this old gray-haired man? But I was so, so in love with him. But you know what? When I found out that Doug Funny wasn't a real human, he's a, he's a cartoon on Nickelodeon from oh, the 90s. Oh, yeah. He that was, was crushable. Like, that was really hard. Like, I remember being so upset that it was like a cartoon is a drawn image and you're never going to meet them. And yeah. It was, it was brutal knowing that like Doug Funny was not in the realm of possibilities for me. 
That's so funny. Wait, this is uh, this is Kendra. <laughs> oh my god! I think she looks good, but this is just like not the move. Like she's so she's needs just to be such blonde. a blonde. I love her as a blonde, but she you know what? Like you gotta, Arias, you gotta right? live your truth. She's reinventing herself. You know, I think th- I think this is good for her, but she fully looks like Jodi Arias to me, which I'm so here for. Are you Are you interested in Jodi Arias? I don't even know who that is. Oh, she's um she murdered her boyfriend. She Great. like stabbed him ninety seven times in Arizona. Mm. And like I actually like I don't think she's innocent, but I think she was driven to it. Like I kinda don't hold her He's fully not, responsible. Yeah, I mean ninety seven says culpable. something for sure. Yeah. Ninety seven, yeah. yeah. Like it's like that's a passion killing. Like yeah. what did he do? Like that's the thing with women murderers for me, is I'm like, but like what drove you to this? Because that's not it's not in a woman's nature to kill. Like yeah. it's very like there are very few like I look at like the Golden State Killer. I'm like, yeah, like you're just like some fucking dude that was like maybe a little bit mentally ill, but like mostly psychopathic. You know, the crazy thing about that story was like a couple of days later, there were there were other stories that were like, meet the woman who broke his heart and left Bonnie. him on a, on a killing spree. Bonnie. It's like, oh, God, she's not fucking responsible. No. for that. I know. I know. Well, so there was this moment because she like, like had to go into hiding after that came out. Yeah. Oh, why, why wouldn't she have to? Like, I would have gone into hiding years ago. Like, you know that she realized she probably put it together because there was this anecdote out there about how he had, like, a mental breakdown after he raped someone, which, by the way, like, I have to learn how to say that without laughing. Um, but he, he had, like, she had, like, a, he had a full mental breakdown and was, like, crying next to this, like, victim and was like, Bonnie, like, why would you do this to me? And, like, this woman was always like, I don't understand why he said Bonnie. And I know, like, I think it was his daughter, personally that turned him in that's like my theory is that it well, might so have been his like, daughter they find him through like dna things? yeah and i think it was like i think it might have been like a daughter or something coming forward being like i think my dad was the person and like you know if your dad was engaged to someone named bonnie like you know that these are things you know so like i think that she was reading the book or something like michelle mcnamara's book because what are the odds it would happen like a month after that book comes out hmm. But some people are saying it might have been just like some sort of like not legal way that they got him, which is like through like 23 and me or something. Yeah. Which is like that is that's scary. Well, now they think they might be off. able to find out who the Zodiac killer was through that. Oh, but like can 23 and me like give up your DNA? They own it after you submit it to oh. them. So they can do whatever they want with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why or I something like it. that, something along the lines. Of, I've done it just because I wanted to know what the fuck race yeah. is to fill out on the census. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's a little bit crazy what the like privacy policy is for those companies. So I also heard about a friend of mine who did his, and then his mom did hers. And oh, after no. the mom did hers, they they sent him a message being like, "Hey, you're actually also all these things." And he was like, "But if I was also all those things, wouldn't it have shown up in my?" Right. Yeah. So like it like people the same like siblings can take it and get different results. Right. And so like the science behind it is a little bit tricky and what you're getting is like an educated guess at best. Sure. You're not fun. And like as the technology like uh progresses, you you get updates on what their assessment was. So I mean it's just it's like here's what you might be, but like don't take it for I'm pretty sure I'm just like inbred Irish all the way. Totally. <laughs> They're all everyone in my family's Irish. My grandma claims there's like a great 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 grandfather who was German. I'm like, great, at least there's somebody who wasn't Irish. Right, yeah. But also German's like not the best of all the options. No. Um, I actually have like a majority of European ancestry, but that makes sense because like my I come my uh ancestry comes from uh, Puerto Rico, so that's like two colonized. Yeah. Nations. Cool. So like 
Yeah, that's what that's how that surfaces. Yeah, I need to do mine because I think that I always forget that I have a father's side of my family. So I'm like, I'm a lot more Native American than I think. Like there's I'm a lot more French than I think. And I usually just think of myself as like an Irish mutt because that's what my whole mom's side of the family yeah, is. Yeah, the next but... biggest thing I have is Native American. Really? Yeah, which is just mostly like the indigenous tribe of, of Puerto Rico. So like, yeah. Yeah, I need to look into it. I yeah. need to look into it. But I just don't. Especially if you're applying to college anytime soon. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, like, no, I mean, it is kind of weird to think like that could be the only thing standing between whether or not I have employment in the next like years. Mm-hmm. Like, if I spit into that too, but I'm mostly Native American. I'm a diversity hire baby. I'm also like I have a lazy eye. Like there's a lot of things going for me in that diversity <laughs> realm that people are not considering. Um, but Dr. Laura is staunchly against 23andMe for that reason because she's like, you know what? Like, if you find out that that's not your biological mother, but like that's the person that raised you, like that's fucked up, and like you don't need to. I mean, I guess it would be father most of the time, but like she doesn't want people to find out. She's like, I think that whole thing is like just a fucked up way to like invalidate people's families. Mm-hmm. And I'm well, like, I that's mean, an like, interesting take. That's a hot take. Yeah, but... it's like the only way you can be valid is if you're blood related, because like who cares if you're not blood related? Well, no, to she's the person, saying yeah. like... because a lot of people would care if they found out that that's not their father that way. Yeah, you know what I mean. A lot. Of people would care and she's saying that that's ridiculous like you shouldn't you should look at the person who raised that's you not as like your the father fault. yeah no i know but she's like well why she apparently turns down 23 and me ads like if they call and say like we want to run a campaign with you guys she's like no thank you um but they did do a shark tank thing a couple oh god they did a shark tank thing a couple years ago where um this guy was saying like this is my business platform like you spit into a tube we send you 50 bucks and like we use your DNA to like do analysis and research for diseases and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's a really good way to get framed for a murder. Yeah. Cause that's already my biggest fear is Mm -hmm. like being like, what if, I mean, I know the golden state killer is the dude, but like, what if there was that off chance you were the 1 millionth person, that one in 1 million and you wound up getting convicted for 51 rapes and like all these 13 murders or whatever. Like, no, thank you, sir. Like, I'm not interested in that. I would never survive. I would absolutely kill myself. That oh, would be I, the guilt that I carry oh. around from like not responding to somebody's text message soon <laughs> enough. If I killed somebody or raped somebody, yeah. I would just be like, I did it. I did it. It was me. I yeah. would never be able to live a normal or life. Or if I was falsely accused, I think that I would just convince myself I did it. I'd be like, well, wow. if everyone's saying you did it, you know, you might have done it. Like, who knows, Molly? Like, like that there was a Christian, there was a story about these like super Christians. Who yeah. the dad that the they started interviewing them and and over the course of like a few weeks they essentially convinced this whole family that they had like buried people in their backyard no and that the devil took a hold of them and all this stuff and because they believed so heavily in in the devil and god and all that they were like well if the devil did it then i don't know maybe they maybe i did maybe i did oh i would i would amanda knox the fuck out of myself like you asked me a question more than twice and i'm like well whatever you want Like, you decide. Like, did I do that? Okay. Like, is that going to make this go away quicker? I would absolutely, like, be behind bars next thing I know. I would need you to step in. If I ever go to jail, like, you have to be there for me. Because you would shut (laughs) that down. Like, you'd just be like, Molly, you don't need to answer that. And I also feel like I need to answer everything. I would completely incriminate myself. Oh, my God. Totally. No, I'd be like, we need to have a lawyer here. Yeah. Yeah. So just like Don't you just anything. always I need have a lawyer to memorize there. your number, especially like, after you watch Making a Murderer. Like you just need the lawyer there. Well, I have uncles yeah. that are that were NYPD and they were just like, if you ever get in trouble, don't say anything. Yeah. Like, say don't nothing. Talk, don't talk to them. Right. Yeah. Like, just ask for a lawyer and they will keep you there. 
they'll try to prevent it for as long as possible just to make you talk. Yeah. And make you a little bit uncomfortable or try to intimidate you, but just don't fall for it. You always oh have you, you have the right to have a lawyer present when they question you. Also, I'm like, like if they're questioning you, you don't have to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> I, what the, you know, yeah, you have to ask like like that law and order moment where you're like, yeah. Are you holding me for anything? I didn't think so. Yeah. We're getting out of here. Yeah. You have <laughs> That's to have gonna that be me moment. for you. I'm gonna be like, um, excuse me, is she under arrest? I know. No? Okay, Molly, get your things. We're going. Well, it's why I have to memorize your number because I don't have anyone's <laughs> number memorized but my mom's. And like, she doesn't even answer her phone like 99% <laughs> of the time. So, you know, it'd be like a week and a half that I'm just sitting there like in jail. Like, what would I do? Do they let you cross reference your cell phone for phone numbers? I think they might. I don't know, though. Because who has a number memorized anymore? I have no my one. mom's and my dad's. And my mom, pretty much anytime I get close to a new person, she's like, all right, what's their number? She wants everyone's really? number. Yeah. And they're yeah, my definitely mom's like been- that too. There have definitely been situations where she's like calling my friends and I'm like, mom, yeah. I'm at home. Yeah. Don't ask. Like, we don't need to track me down right now. My phone was just off. Yeah. That's what I, Ed and I used. I used to do that with Ed's sister all the time. We'd be like, do you have him? No. Do you have him? Okay. Like, that means he's at work or mm-hmm. he's, which is, by the way, such a boundary violation. But like, Ed, answer your fucking phone. Like, where were you for three years? Your sister and I were always looking for you. But yeah, I would feel really violated if my mom was texting with one of my friends. I don't even really like my mom talking to my friends for too long. Oh, I, just like, I love my mom. Like, she's totally one of my best friends. And oh. I also was in, like, a horrible injury situation where I, my mom right. had to take six months off of work and take care of me. And it brought us really close. And I'm just, like, so grateful for her all the time. So let's talk about this. Because I I didn't realize, like, what had, had the extent of your injury. I think I remembered something about you being injured, like, seeing it on Instagram or something. But I didn't really know the extent of it so you were doing karaoke and you yeah. buckled your knee and your body had a, like a very rare response to it yeah i had something called complex regional pain syndrome which okay. is a reaction in your sympathetic nervous system in which your brain can't properly communicate with your nerves what the injury is and so your brain starts to think that you're just dying from <sighs> the, the place of the injury and so your nerves start to create and just kind of like mimic pains, different kinds of pain. So it would be shooting pain and then stabbing and then really hot and then really cold. And it was just constant pain for about six months. Fuck. Yeah. So wait, so I would imagine that that's even more common or worse in women because women already have like a heightened fight or, uh, fight or flight response mm-hmm. or like whatever. So I would imagine that it's like probably either more common or worse than women. I Do really, you know about that? I don't know about that. I did ask a handful of questions and my doctor at one point was like, you're not going to make sense of this. There's, oh, yeah. there's a reason why we don't have answers for so many of these questions and it's because it's really rare. Yeah. And at one point she was like, if you had breast cancer, you'd get a pink ribbon and you'd have a whole community around you. Right. You don't get a ribbon. You're alone in this. And yeah. she was like, do you see the light at the end of the tunnel? I was like, not after that. Yeah. And she was like, well, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You just need to like buckle down and know that as long as you like commit yourself to recovery, you're going to get through this. That's a good doctor. That's very like honest. She was amazing. I mean, she saved my life. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I would like imagine that's really hard to diagnose too. You know, it, it took about a month before I was diagnosed with it. Uh, I, I saw a handful of orthopedic surgeons who were like, wow, you're really, wow, you, I mean, I, I was, yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't curl my toes because right. of a knee injury, which is not normal. Yeah. And so the doctors would come in to like touch me and I'd be like, get the, get away from me. And uh, 
it was really dark and then these doctors would be like okay well why don't you go to physical therapy for two weeks and once you get your knee to 80 degrees we'll be able to you know consider surgery but there's no point in cutting into that before you get there because then you'll always be stuck at whatever degree you can bend your knee to so i started going to pt and my physical therapist was actually the first person who was like i think it's more more than a knee injury i think you're having some kind of a rare reaction and I think you need to see a pain specialist. And I was also like eating painkillers like they were Skittles at that point. Like, and that's scary too. Cause yeah. you're like, is that going to be like my life? Right. Yeah. Right. And the bad thing about were they um, like opioids? Or? Yeah. So yeah. So the bad thing about that is like when you're starting to come off, you know this, but like I'm just explaining cause I saw it with my dad. Uh, like when you stop taking them, when you get off them, it actually intensifies your pain. Yeah. Um, so it makes it unbearable, and that's why you get more addicted to it. They're actually like them. the worst thing you can take. It's for, awful. like most things. Like people say, like don't take them for migraines, like nothing like that, because people will think like this will just black out my pain, and it and it does. But it's so much more significant when you're coming off of it to like train your brain not to need that. And because I was undiagnosed. Uh, we didn't know that painkillers weren't really helping it at all. They were like making me sleepy and like knocking me out, but the pain was still all there because it was being created by uh-huh. my brain and my nerves. It wasn't like an actual tactic. I mean, tactic. Uh, the word I'm looking for isn't there, but uh, it wasn't like a real, a real in- pain from the injury. Right. So I was taking all these painkillers, and it makes you super constipated. And no one, yep. no one told me like, "Hey, you got to make sure you go take a shit every day." Yeah. Um. And My dad had to go to the hospital three times because they made him oh, constipated. That's horrible. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, my mom called me up one day, and I was like, "Where are you?" She's like, "I'm at the hospital. Your father's full of shit." <laughs> and I was like. You said that to me before, but this time you mean it literally. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was I was narcotized, which is like a, a version of being overdosed, where you're taking exactly the amount of medication you're supposed to be taking. My mom would administer it to me. Um, and then what happened was, because I wasn't going to the bathroom enough, the the opioid builds up in your bowel. Yeah. And so you get overdosed from your bowel. And I Fuck. totally like collapsed against the wall like i was just sitting in bed my mom saw, said she saw like my eyes roll back and she was Jesus. like oh my god what's happening and she counted my breaths i was breathing five breaths a minute she called the paramedics and when they showed up they were like this girl's a drug addict like what's wrong with her why is she on morphine and percocet like oh yeah why do you have all these pills here and my mom was like she has severe pain she has a pain i'm administering it to her she's not a drug addict my mom was like the mom in um Oh shit! What's that movie where, where she's like, "Give her the drugs"? I don't know. Give her the drugs. Oh, man. I don't know. Oh, it's I, a classic. Oh fuck, I can't remember. But anyway, wow. Oh my god. Yeah, that's terrible too. Because I'm sure that like they show up to a lot of people's houses and like right. someone has legitimate pain, but yeah. it's like absolutely not legitimate pain. Yeah. Fuck. I really, I really empathize with people who are addicted to opioids because it's not easy to get off of them, and it you really need like a support system around you. They're it around too. They're yeah. like around. It like, gets yeah. easy to find that. You yeah. know, it's like not. Yeah, like a lot it's of like uh, there's a lot of conversation happening now because of the epidemic that's happening. That like we need to rethink about how we look at pain. Like the goal shouldn't be that you live life without pain because that's impossible for some people. Right. You know what I mean? And that yeah. leads to us over over prescribing pain medication like the goal is to learn how to cope with the pain that you have and see if you can find other ways to alleviate it yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's weird too because like we've talked about this before but like there are like natural remedies like something like kratom for example right. which is like a much more natural remedy but like no one wants to make that legal or they don't want to keep it legal because it could cut into like basically like the pharmaceutical companies which is like just 
why are we supporting them? Like, we do have a problem in this country. It's really insane. Like, 70% of people or something are on well, it's not like just that. medication. It's also, like, we have a significant problem of loneliness. There's been, like, reports coming yeah. out that, like, the majority of, of America media. is just, like, lonely. Right. And so, like, that compounds pain, too, because there's something about having – they've been doing studies. Like, when you are recovering from an injury and people who have a support system, people who have family around them, they feel pain less. They recover quick, quickly. Yeah. But since you're alone, like that only compounds the problem. Yeah. yeah. And there's, you know, that feeling I had so many mornings where I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm still stuck in this body, in this bed, in this room. And the only people who come to visit me are my mom and this one person. And were you living alone? At the time I had roommates when, when I was injured, I had roommates, but I had stairs to get into my house. So I couldn't keep living there i couldn't get into the house so i moved into our family friend's back house and i'm so grateful that they happened to have an empty space so that i had no stairs that i could move into wow Um, and i lived there for about for about six months wow jesus girl i'm so sorry to hear about that i'm glad you're better honestly like there were so many times where i was like why me why me why me and someone at one point said hey why don't you start saying why not me right and realize that you're young you're vivacious you have goals in life that you don't want to give up on and get through this because yeah. everyone's saying there's a there's light at the end of this tunnel and there now- are a lot of people that wouldn't be able to come back from that like at all even if they were physically well like it would take such a mental toll on them it was but. really hard and but honestly like i love i live for acting and for making stories and for entertaining people and so i just i knew i wasn't done like i haven't made my mark on this world yet and there were i dealt with some really severe suicidal thoughts and stuff like that but i uh i was really open about it and i talked to people when i was thinking these things and I was really grateful that the people around me were never like horrified or scared or were like, oh, I can't handle that. I can't talk yeah. to you about that. Everyone was just like, all right, I'll sit with you for three days. Let's, what do you, you want to watch? Yeah. Oh, thank God for that. That's, yeah. I'm so glad that you're better. That's so interesting. I don't think I've ever met anyone who's had that before. What's like the statistic on that? Um, I don't know it by heart, but at, so- at one point told- someone told me it was like 200 cases a year or something like Super that. Super rare. Yeah. Right. Wow. Um, well, but I will say, like, now when a friend of mine is dealing with pain, I'm there right away. I'm really comfortable around someone who's struggling. I love the fact that I have this experience and that I'm able to help people who are going through something similar. A friend of mine was just in a horrible car crash, and she was like, you're so inspiring. It's so helpful to see you walking around and jumping and dancing. You used to be in a wheelchair. And yeah. I, and I'm like, you're going to be fine. The yeah. body is resilient. We're young. Like, we're going to get through this. Girl, you could be doing Make-A-Wish soon. I'm down, y'all. Yeah, that would be exciting. Um, so Ben, like, fucking loosen up on the selfie thing because you never know what someone's going <laughs> yeah, hi, ben. through. Okay, Ben. Um, let's take our next call. So I just called in and I totally choked because I couldn't remember any dilemmas that I had. But um, I actually am like going through a situation right now that I could use advice on. So I'm getting married in five months, um, and I announced this obviously to like my family my fiance's family um maybe like a year and a half ago but um this week we got an email from my fiance's dad and it was entitled the sensitivity of women and then it was like maybe 10 paragraphs about how his sisters my fiance's two sisters um were extremely offended that they weren't bridesmaids which is kind of crazy to me because um i don't know like my brother got married and I never expected to be a bridesmaid in his wedding. And also like 
were not really tight like that, and they never expressed that they want to be bridesmaids, so I don't know why this is coming out, like, five months before the wedding, but um, whatever. I guess my my question, if I was seeking advice, which I am, um, I'm wondering, like, how I should handle this going forward. Um, it was super weird because I was like, whatever, they can be bridesmaids, but then they were like, no, we don't want to. It feels super forced now. Um, I thought I had a good relationship with them, but how do I go forward? Is our relationship ruined? Is it going to be awkward forever? How do I avoid, um, like a super awkward relationship with my fiance's sisters who want to be my bridesmaids, but also really resent me, apparently? Um, all right. Thank you. Good night. Good luck. Well, first of all, wait, can I just say sorry before this is a very strange indulgence that your fiance's dad has like given his daughters. Like this is very strange that like, cause if that was my kid, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Like is what you do. It's like, not about you. It's not yeah. about you. What were you going to say? Sorry. You actually probably have something relevant. Well, to I just think it's your day and you know, you and your future husband need to make sure that you're celebrating your love and not making it about everyone else. Make sure that you're doing what you want to do. But also it's so kind of you to have offered to make them bridesmaids. And there's nothing wrong with the fact that you did it later in the game. than maybe yeah. you asked your other friends. Um, and this is on them. It's not your issue. Like, they're going through their shit. They're probably jealous or want to be a bigger part of it. And another option here is to do some kind of, like, a sibling, like, thing. Like, oh, do something that yeah, celebrates the siblings of your families. Like, do you have sisters or brothers? Maybe you could do, like, a specific song during the dancing portion where or you Or have sit. them read something. Yeah. Oh, a ceremony yeah, or something. Yeah, you have, them read, you have them walk the grandparents down the aisle, the ushers or... Something where they still feel like they were an important part of it, but also you don't have to, like, spend quite so much time with these people who you wouldn't necessarily want to spend your, like, bridesmaid hours with. Yeah. And by we were, like, looking at each other, like, why would you want to be a bridesmaid? Like, that's such <laughs> a weird request. Like, can I please do, like, free work and, like, show up <laughs> and, like, buy a dress? And, can like, I please spend money on a dress that I'll never wear again? Yeah. And, like... It's just, like, it's a very odd... It's a... I mean, again, like, it's, I think it's a strange indulgence, and I also think that they did not, like, think about the end game because, like... Here's the thing. When someone's going to bring up something awkward, you have to ask them, like, what is the desired result? Like, would you want to be a bridesmaid? If if I write this email that's going to, like, really throw a wrench in the gears, like, do you want to be a bridesmaid if that's an option? Right. And if the answer is no, don't fucking bring it up. And we can't go back and, like, unbring this up. But it's been, like, thrown on you. And I think it's really weird. I think it's a very odd choice. And, like, I wouldn't – I mean, I would be – I would consider this like I really would I would put, I would bring this in a heavy consideration about and I would maybe have your fiance say something about like they can't they can't dump shit in your lap like this this isn't okay like that's a reflection of like what's and why are they going through the father they should have talked yeah. to their brother and you about this and if or the dad like, is this like much of like the emotions of women yeah like, like first of all that's so misogynistic i know that's so that's so just like belittling that like and i can see it like i see him like writing this email trying to like mansplain to you like, that like he's sitting at the computer have, and he goes yes <sighs> but then somehow he can't edit himself down to like a paragraph yeah. and a half he has to do 10 paragraphs it's horrible uh, or like a scholarly essay, which, by the way, like you're a woman, you don't need him to explain to you like the sensitivity of a woman. Like that's so 
bullshit. If I, I mean, I really would just set a tone as well, like maybe through your fiance that like, you know, because if you have like kids or whatever, if these are who these people are, they're not going to be afraid to bring up to you like how they want your kids raised or whether or not they should be baptized or where they should go to school. But there's and also like, a zen, peaceful way to handle it where you're not creating a new fight. Instead, you're just like, I had no clue that you wanted to be a bridesmaid. I'd love to have you as a bridesmaid. If that doesn't seem right to you anymore, then what if we do this thing during the ceremony? I'd love to have you honored and be a part of our wedding in some way. Yeah. Yeah, you I just mean, take the high road and just act like, oh, I didn't even think that that was something that would upset you. Everyone has like a weird, different thing with weddings too. Like your family, like your attitude where you're like, my brother, like I didn't even like expect to be a bridesmaid. Everyone has a different point of view on what a wedding is and the importance of it. And I didn't expect to be a bridesmaid in my brother's wedding. Were it was you like though? a bonus. So uh my sister-in-law has a very big family that still lives all within near each other so i yeah. knew that like and i they fell in love after i had moved out to la right so i like had only met her maybe like four or five times before they even got married mm-hmm. yeah but when i was going back for and like we like she's cool i really love my sister-in-law yeah but um so like i didn't have any expectation to be a part of the wedding ceremony at all so when my brother called me and he was like, look, there's, you know, they're good on Bridesmaid, but if I, I was part of the groomsmen. Cool. Yeah. I yeah. love that. So, oh, that's right. I remember yeah, that. So yeah. So my, bro- my dad was the best man. Oh, so cool. And I was one of the I groomsmen. I forgot that, that your dad was the best man. Yeah. And See, I was one of the groomsmen. that's nice. Why don't people do that more often? Like have their know. parent in the wedding party, like as a, a bride's person yeah. or groomsman. It's your day. Like, you get to decide how yeah. you want it to go. I also overheard someone a week ago talking about another wedding, and they were like, I mean, all of her bridesmaids were her sisters. She doesn't have any friends. And I was like, or she's really close with her sisters, sister, and yeah. she wanted her sisters to be her bridesmaids. That she was, like, just... common where I was from. Like, if you had a friend, it would be like, don't you have a cousin or something you could have brought in? Yeah. Like... If you were from a Catholic family, there's no way someone not blood-related is sitting in your no, like, private. No, yeah. I definitely, like, grew up feeling like, fuck, like, I have to have all these girls in my wedding. Like, first of all, like thinking I even wanted a wedding, which is like, I would, I don't think I could do that now. I think I'd just be like, this is exhausting. Right. Like, I'm going away, going on a trip. Like, this is too much. But thinking that like, yeah, like I have to accommodate all my cousins. Like I grew up with like a stress around that. And I think that some families definitely are like that too. Like who knows, like your boyfriend. So maybe they have that have... expectation. Exactly. Yeah. What's their like religious background or their like family? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Like, are they Catholic? That could be a huge thing. So how does she move forward from this? Does she have like a sit down with them and be like, Hey, I understand your feelings might've been hurt, but like she has to have like a one-on-one with her fiance and break down like what's actually okay for them. I think because yeah. there needs to be some parameters set up. Like I would be uncomfortable. I would take this email as like not even a sign about the wedding, but like a, a like a tonal thing about what's to come in terms of what they feel is their fucking business. Yeah, like, it's foreshadowing. Yeah, like it's like I really mm. am. I'm seeing an email about like you have to baptize your child. Like I'm seeing things like that in their future because of this. Right. And like it's a big deal to like sit down and first of all, again, indulge the whims of like his female children and be like, yeah, OK, I'm going to go through with like sticking my nose into the business of this couple which is that's his son you know what I mean like I don't know why like like certain children of his are taking priority or if that would be maybe because like he's his son like that would never come up like can you imagine like a guy being like I must be like in my sister's wedding like that's so weird they wouldn't make me a groomsman Um, right 
And also there's so many activities leading up to a wedding that they can be involved in. Yeah, that they could be involved in or that I'd just be like, why? Like, I don't know if I want my sister-in-law there. Like, if you're not close to them, if you weren't close enough to them to make them a bridesmaid, which I think is kind of what you were saying. Why do you want to? I don't wouldn't want that much like alone time with them. But, but if you're open to having them as bridesmaids and you just want to like smooth over the whole situation, you could say like, I really I'm so sorry that I didn't think to ask you to be a bridesmaid right away. But if you still want to be a bridesmaid, I'd love to have you have you. Yeah. You know, you're creating a new family and you're you want everyone to get along. You want things to be good and for people to feel like you love them and you care about them yeah so i mean i'm definitely thinking about how to handle bridesmaids on my side because we have six siblings combined and right and i'm like well do we do like a special thing for the siblings where we make everyone feel special like i feel like if i only had my sister as a bridesmaid then the other sisters would be upset and then all the brothers would want to be groomsmen and i just don't know are you close with his family yeah i am yeah so like they feel like sisters to you too or something. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And also like I really do feel like we're we're forming a family and like there's, yeah. I have like a lot of visions of the future and like the fact that these are going to be my kids aunts and I want yeah. them to feel like we're all like unified in this and that it's like a, a team, a team coming together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's definitely like that's all this is all very good stuff and like something that you have to have a conversation with your fiance about because that's like your nuclear team. Like that's like your thing where you guys have to be on the same page. And I also think too, that there's a big thing around like, you know, if that's your, if you are his like wife, like it's also partially his job to kind of protect you from that stuff. And Especially like, with his sisters. Yeah, absolutely. He knows them. He knows dad, the family. Really. I put this on the dad. Like, I think this is so fucking weird that the dad is like actually like, approved this like kind of petty grievance from mm-hmm. his sisters and like prioritize that above you guys's comfort with your own wedding i think it's very strange and i would have a conversation about like are we going to like succumb to the whims of this of your family for the rest of our lives right but the most important thing is that it's not their wedding it's your wedding true life and if you know what like that's nice of you and i think it's very odd that they you offered and they were like, no, actually, we don't want to be bridesmaids. It's very stubborn and they just strange. Want attention, I think. They yeah. just want to be like, you know, coddled and told that they're important and that you love them. I would definitely like demand a conversation around like what the expectation is for their consideration, like or considering them in you guys' life, because like you definitely want to consider them. But they've put they volunteered this like they put themselves on this i think it's so strange i'm sorry like it definitely wouldn't want make me want to cancel the wedding but i would be like thinking about it i will say i've i've been surprised by how many people have been like you're engaged oh my god i'm gonna get to be a bridesmaid and i'm like whoa (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, it's also like it's an expense for everybody yeah it really is that's a lot to put on a person to be like it just is it's an expense for everyone. Like you're not getting in and out the door for less than 500 bucks on having three new bridesmaids. Like it's probably going to be way more than that too. Like that's a lot to ask of a person. It's a, it's so much money to ask for someone to spend on both ends. Um not into it. But yeah, I think I don't know. Uh, do you want to just take another call? Yeah, I know. I think good you guys. Did a, yeah, I think you guys did a really good. Call us back. Right? Call us back and let us know like what happens three two three four five zero seven four zero eight because first of all, for a question you didn't even know you had, this was a very good one. Yeah. I wondered what you why you felt you needed to call like in the first place. I like that. I mean, I think that you were just trying to help us out and give a call, but like 
It's very interesting. You also had a pretty big problem for something that didn't even come to your mind. <laughs> You're like, right I away. don't have any dilemmas except for this huge dilemma I'm going through. <laughs> except for this like massive thing that could set the tone for my entire relationship. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Well, let's take another call. I'm going to put on sunscreen because just general advice where you have to wear sunscreen every day and I don't think I'm wearing any. And okay. my face feels hot from being outside earlier. So I'm going to put on sunscreen. Great. Okay. Take another call. Hey guys, um, long time fan, first time caller. I'm calling just because um, I currently live out in Los Angeles and I've been out here for I guess like three years now and you know I'm trying to pursue the whole like writing thing and comedy writing thing and it hasn't really been going that well and it's like I understand that like you have to make connections with the theaters out here or with certain big players or whatever. Um but I just like, haven't been able to make it work yet. And I understand that, like, yeah, things aren't going to click for everyone within, like, a three-year timeline. And everyone has, like, a different timeline that they are restricted to, whatever. Um, but, like, I have been thinking a lot lately about, like, moving and, like, moving to Idaho. And I'm just, like, because that's where my mom lives. It's not where I grew up or anything. And I'm just wondering if, like, I don't know, like, maybe I should take a break from trying out everything in LA um and you know just like go to Idaho to like maybe try and perfect my writing a little bit more and like you know get better writing samples um I just don't know if this is like a stupid thing to do and it's like I know that like you know there's like that big fear that like if you leave LA that like you'll never come back so it's like should I not go to Idaho because I'll just be like one of the many who like leave like quote unquote like leave take leave to take a break and then never come back sorry this is just like I'm rambling a lot I'm just like basically my question is like I'm wondering if I should stay or if I should go and I know that like that's not something that you could like accurately uh answer within like a phone call but I don't know I just I don't know if I have the skills right now that I need to make it in LA I really want to be a comedy writer and I just feel like I came without enough uh, tools in my little toolkit. So I, that's why I'm like wanting to go to LA or go, go to Idaho and everything. Um, I, I'm sorry, this is like a rambling and it's going to be a shitty phone call for you to listen to. Uh, I should probably just write a letter for this. But I basically want to say like, what is like the, like, what is like the breaking point that someone should face that is like, oh, okay, well, maybe you should go home. You know, maybe you're doing too much and none of it is really helping you get to where you want to go. Uh, so, yeah, uh, if you have any advice about, like, you know, when you should just stop trying and take a break for a second, let me know. That'd be great. Sorry, the phone call sucked. Uh, you're great. I love your guys' show. You guys are great. Thank you so much. And I'll probably write a follow-up email that you can use instead. Okay, thank you so much. Bye. I want to follow up really quickly. She did write an email. I did say that I was going to play the call over reading the email just because she emailed you asking if she should. Okay. She emailed her her letter. Just her double question. Checking, triple checking. Yeah. yeah. 
She emailed, <laughs> but she did say she had been here for three years. And so if people were confused about the whole Idaho thing, it was because her mom lives out there. Oh, okay. And so like. That, I was like, why would you go to Idaho? Yeah, See, her mom lives thing. out As there. Writer, I think she was like, thinking that like, like money was You should was know tight. to give things context. Like, I'm just going to throw that out there. Like, you have to give context for things. Like, were you supposed to read your mind about Idaho? Well, I think that's why she sent, sent in the email. No, I know. But like. But, like, that should be an instinct for you as a storyteller to explain why Idaho, like, coming from L.A. I'm just going to throw that out there. And I'm going to try not to be mad. And I'm going to let Jesse start this because you know I she hate did say that this. She did say in the call that her mom lived there. Oh, she did? Yeah. It didn't. It did not. She said, I'm it not from. It I'm did not strike me as anything. She, yeah. she said, I'm not from there, You're but my mom lives there. those marks harder for me coming okay. up in the future. No, not you, the, the caller. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, Jesse, I know you should start. Well, I hear a lot of self-doubt, and I think in this industry, you really have no place for that. It's kind of just you're going to get rejected every day, and you have to like – I mean, I go on so many auditions, and I have to just like take the sides, throw them away the second I get out of the room, or else I know I'll see them a week later, and I'll be like, oh, that thing I'm not right for. Yeah. Uh, And you just have to like keep your head up and be like, no, I'm right for this. I'm here for a reason. This is what I'm doing. This is my reason to be alive. And also, there's a lot of jobs in this industry where it's like – no one's going to tell you you're good at it. You have to you have right. to be like so sure that this is the only thing that makes your heart beat that you you're so depressed when you're not doing it that there's no option of moving to Idaho or doing something. So if you feel like you want to move to Idaho to like escape what's going on right now, you might want to just move to Idaho and find another thing that you're good at. Here's the thing, and I want to piggyback off that. You have to decide if struggling here feels better for you than living comfortably somewhere else. Yeah. Because yeah. it never gets easier. You're always going to have a struggle. But the thing that keeps you alive and the keep the thing that keeps you you going is that trying and struggling here is better than living comfortably somewhere else. Dude, I used to think about that all the time when I like was living out here and like so broke and like just constantly like this is a business of no's, first of all. Like you're gonna get told no almost every time basically every time if not every time forever, like you'll get one or two like big yeses, I think. And what you do with that is entirely like that entirely reflects whether or not you'll continue to get yeses, I think. But I um, will say to you that like, first of all, the self-doubt was driving me nuts because like no one is going to cheerlead for you. Like no one, you have to be your own biggest cheerleader. And even if that like manifests in a way of you just like not trying to like self-destruct from the inside maybe that's like your version of showing up as a cheerleader but um yeah like I would sit there every day and be like but what would you do if you went home like what would this look like for you like would you where would you work and I would always like settle on like marketing and Dunkin Donuts like that's what I would do I would go (laughs) home to Boston and I'd work in like marketing at Dunkin Donuts and like that's like the only other job I could think of having which is also like kind of a lofty gig too like right I also just want to acknowledge that, like, I have a little bit of privilege in that, you know, struggling here, I can do that because I don't have financial responsibilities to other family members. I don't have parents or family members that I need to help support. Yeah. And so, like, I can't – I do have an amount of privilege uh, that I can do that. You know what I mean? I can be independent to to live my life any way that I want to because my family is good. They don't need my support, you know? Um, Yeah. So and I also I have a lot of privilege people. in that I grew up out here and when yeah. I was like so yeah. broke and couldn't pay my own medical bills like I move in with my mom and like ask my grandma to pitch in like we I was really lucky that I have people I have a home base here and it's definitely a lonely town and having like 
having friends and family nearby has helped me so much. And I can only imagine that you're pretty homesick for your mom right now. Yeah. So I don't know what your personal situation is either, but I just wanted to acknowledge yeah. like those advantages that I do that I do have and being able to like go towards my dreams that a lot of people just don't. And so it's not a matter of like, ooh, you have to really want it. There's a lot of other things. But yes, that is part of it. Too. There's just like there was no other option for me. Like I was like, what am I going to do? Like I literally would be so fucking depressed. Like I love my parents. Like I love my mom, my stepdad, and that's who I would have been moving home to be with like I love them but I don't want to live my life for them or with them like that's just what it is like I thinking about going home I just was like you will get so depressed so quickly that you gave up on your dream and that like you and it would be real like you know it's very rare that someone comes back out here like when people move home a lot of like I would say 99.9% of the time they're moving home like they're giving out a comeback sort of thing so whether or not you're going to be e- even able to come back is something I would consider because sometimes like it's just about getting out here once for a lot of people like that's hard enough. The other hard thing is to like know when to admit when something a dream that you have is a dream and your 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 talent doesn't match your dream and you have to make a tough decision in that point too. Yeah, and you got to put in the work. And there's like, no shame in that. She's been here for three years. Like I, not to. Well, yeah, sure. Just pat myself on the back for a second. I trained in acting for 17 years before I started working. And like that has been a huge part of why I think I work because I walk through the door like, yeah, I've been training and I know how to do this job. I know I know my purpose here. I'm confident in my ability to execute my job. And you kind of just have to be like. You know, you need to put in the hours to be able to do the, yep. do the right work. You have to be thankful for the struggle because yeah. that's what teaches you resilience when things really go to shit or that's what gave you the experience to be able to do other things or write from other experiences it was also or like, like find the, inspiration. Sorry, the the knowing what you need to do but not having done it thing that drives me a little nuts. You're like, I know I need to like have contacts at the theaters well like not to say i'm like the most motivated person and maybe it was a little bit easier because the theater scene was smaller when i first moved here but like i did that within six months like what are you doing that that's not getting done after three years like you're like i still have contacts to make the theaters well like first of all i don't really know that that is the answer for what you need to do like there's the internet now like you don't have to go to ucb that's not the only way to make it but yeah, and what kind of writing is she doing? Like, could you potentially write a comedy blog? That like, right. there are plenty of ways to utilize the internet or have like a really funny Instagram. Like, there are so many people who I who my manager represents who we found on Instagram. Yeah, like you know Twitter how many people whatever, are like, like started out as like TV recappers and they now write television yeah. series. Yeah. yeah. I work with them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they get jobs. So it's not just like write, about writing spec scripts. It's just like how 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 many different platforms and ways you can showcase your voice and then you find the medium where you belong. Because then you're just like aimlessly trying to do – like you have to try everything to know what you want. And let's say like you do go home and you like fucking kill that office spec and you like kill your three other specs or whatever that you're writing originally. Like are you going to fly back here for a meeting with a manager? Like that doesn't – if that's your goal is to get representation and be out here, maybe just be out here. Like, focus on that. Try and figure it out. And if that means, like, you get another job somewhere else or whatever, like, pick up an extra job, start driving Uber, do whatever, then do that. But, like, let's say, like, you do go home and you write your specs. Like, what's the – are you going to fly out here for every TV interview? Like, are you going to – just doesn't make any sense to me. I also, just to – uh the 17 years was an, an exaggeration. I actually trained for 10 years. 
Well, that's still that's that's a lot. That's a lot. A lot happens in ten years. Yeah, and you get rejected a lot from like your theater program. Like when you're not good enough for like the group of ten girls that's auditioning for Little Women. Yeah, it's a lot easier to then hear like, oh no, we don't want you for this like HBO show that you've wanted to be on your whole life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. You lost that Joe role, didn't you? Oh, I straight up wasn't in. I there were so many shows at my school that they were just like. You can do tech, and I did. I did a ton of yeah. tech theater. Yeah, and you direct too. Like you have that probably because you did that tech theater stuff. You probably that informed that for you. Yeah, and also like if there wasn't a play going on, I was like, all right, what play do you guys want to do? Like I was yeah. always from the like I remember writing one of my first times I got in trouble at school. I wrote there was this girl who started bullying me at recess, and we were putting together a show. And we're talking about like first kindergarten or first grade where it was like totally sandbox theater. And uh, and I was like, we're doing a show. We're going to do a show on Thursday at lunch. And she started bullying me. And I wrote her a note and passed her a note that said, like, you're not in the show. And the, Ooh, the teacher saw the note like cross the classroom and he picked it up and he was like, what is this? And I was like, she's mean. She doesn't. She shouldn't be in the show. And he was like, if you're putting on a show, everyone can be in the show. And I, I was grateful that they taught me that lesson, but I also it's not true. <laughs> not everybody can be in the show. Not everyone Kids can, can be, be in the so show. brutally real in I a way that's not, I just had a flashback to like in third grade, the teacher would write, make us write journals every morning. And one morning I wrote in my journal, Miss Tomasulo is being a bitch. <laughs> and she, that was, the, that was the day that she was like checking our notebook. You spelled it B-I-C-H too. <laughs> in, in caps. Yeah. I remember my mom found a note. And she, I, I remember she was like going through notebooks that day, and I and I realized I was like, oh shit, I was I was supposed to like tear out that page and like Aww. write a fake one, and so I was like looking in my desk, and she saw me like hunting for it in my desk, and she like slams it on the table, and she was like looking for this. And Ooh, I was like, oh, that's no. like out of a movie. She is a bitch. Yeah, I was like, oh no, that's not okay. I definitely remember my mom finding a note I had written that said like my shit list, and she was like number one, and there was nobody else on the shit list my mom was like i think we should talk about this like what's what's going that's on that's an area yeah 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 so <laughs> back to the to question they go to like <laughs> the jugular why do we go for the jugular like the well you're trying like i think when you're a kid you're trying to test your boundaries and see like what, yeah. what's the deal i think that's a lot of like why there's an issue with social media bullying like you don't see the person get hurt and so you don't realize like when you push somebody in a sandbox and you watch them fall and cry you're like oh that's a mean thing to do i have a theory that like kids these days like do think of social interaction online like as like a simulation like it's just going to this person and like stuff you would never say to their face the reason why people do that is because like they it's like it's like Sims to them. Like I'm just like firing this off and it's not real or I don't have to be responsible for it. I've had people like come at me that are like, try and say that to me in real life. Like I know you never would. Like mm-hmm. this is you feel like you have anonymity, but like, bitch, I know exactly who you are. Like this is so strange. I uh I don't really know how we got on that, but I would really just uh dude, like, do you want to do this or not? I think that's the real question. And like from there, like how would this play out for you if money is an obstacle? How are you, and like you do get these interviews, for example, um, how are you going to come back here to do that? You know, like that's where I think also the internet component is real because like you look at like real life examples like Kelly Oxford who like literally was writing at home in Canada and had enough traction through that that she was able to come out here and like move with her kids and family. Um, 
And there are examples of that. But like she's at home, like having a prolific presence at the same time. So are you going to do that if you go home to Idaho? I don't know. Also, if you're a sketch comedy writer, shoot sketches on your phone and put them on YouTube. Like yep. just start making stuff because the Look more... Look those Viners. Yeah. The, the more content you have to send a manager, the easier it'll be for them to understand who you are and why they should represent you. Just start doing it. Don't wait for it to be perfect. And ways to find you, by the way. Like that's the other... Like it's not just stuff you can send to a manager. It's like you need to give people an opportunity to find you. Like yeah. it's also not... I do find like... When someone thinks that they should have something like, oh, I should have a manager, but they don't, they oftentimes do should not have a manager. Like it's about being found, like doing your own thing. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of it's like the people who can't like move forward unless they have this thing or this thing. Like, no, you can move forward with nothing. Like that's what a lot of people do. So I don't know. Girl decide and call us back 323-450-7408 is this the end of episode 162 of please advise we can do a quick update let's do an update yeah hey malls christina guest and wags um i am the taylor swift hater i listened to the episode today and i wanted to call back before i forgot so i wasn't very clear as to why i hate taylor swift which like figure of speech i don't like hate people but you know i'm not i really dislike her uh it is because of her lack of politics christina got into it a little bit but then you know it kind of skimmed over like the problem is i i like her music i think it's good i don't like her as a person i think her like it's 2018 year prior years you know she uses her feminism to like sell her and then when push comes to shove of like people of color and being there for women who when it isn't just making her money like she doesn't show up and so I have a problem like that's what my issue is is getting pumped up by this song and like it being really into Taylor Swift but like when I hear it I'm just reminded of how like she's kind of shoved people of color in the dirt or maybe not well no yeah push them to the side and like yeah she doesn't have to talk about politics but like it's 2018 what's her fucking excuse like she's the one who brought feminism and stuff into it so i just have a hard time like supporting people who have issues like that and it's not just her you know like i love rosemary's baby but i fucking hate ruin polanski but like so yeah like but that's you know i'm not like listening to rosemary's baby on repeat before job interviews so it's just a little different when it's a song and a musician so that is why I hate Taylor Swift. And my question was more like along the lines of kind of like Roxanne Gay's like bad feminist. Like what do you do when you really, really like something but morally feel dirty when you listen to it or do it? So it wasn't like about her looks or the fact that she's popular or anything. It's like morally I feel like scum when I listen to her, which is like mm, – you know, I still listen to her. I'm not saying anyone's like a bad person for listening to her because I do it too. But like, how do you compartmentalize that stuff? So yeah, that's the update on that. Uh, also, I got a job. So yeah, that's exciting. Well, anyway, bye. It's Taylor Swift girl again. I just was thinking about it. Scum is a harsh word. I just, what I mean to say is like, I just feel like guilty and like I'm being like a quote-unquote like white feminist you know when I listen to Taylor Swift and kind of like 
what ways I don't know like I just I want to help people of color and like be more aware and stuff and so when I feel like when I'm blatantly like listening to her on repeat to get myself amped up it just feels like dirty so that's yeah just like that's what I was trying to say okay bye do you know how annoying and full of shit you are? <laughs> Do you are, really though? think you're going to save all the people of color by not listening to Taylor Swift? What is your what's your point That's of view there? A... It makes no sense to me at all. Also, it's a fucking song. Listen to the music that makes you feel good. Like, we don't need to know every personal detail about Taylor Swift's political leanings in order to agree that, like, Max Martin did a good job producing her song. Yeah, I also don't believe that the same person who called with that hand-wringy, like, question about, like... Am I allowed to listen to Taylor Swift is also this person. Like, I just don't believe that. Like, did you just like fucking get Jezebel.com on your computer or something and do like a hard like 20 minutes of research before you called? Like she hit every buzzword. She hit, when she said per- people of color, girl, like I almost passed out. I said I was like, how do you know that they want your help? Like if I was a person of color, I'd be like, I'm good, girl. Like you go figure that out over there. I'm just saying, Christina, as, do you as want a person her help? Of color do you want her help in the room? Um, so hey, I might be a Native American. We're going to find out. <laughs> but keep going. Sometimes uh, the best way to support things is knowing when not to speak on them. Yeah. yeah. Um, because they're not your issue and you won't do it justice by, by speaking on it. And there are other ways to support uh, causes for women and men of color. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like take a read, read up on being a, a, a good ally. And I don't think it's Taylor Swift's responsibility to talk about Black Lives Matter. That's so true. You know what I mean? Yeah, well said. Um, but by the way, like, do you like that she was like, well, Christina touched on it a little bit, but this was my thought. Here's the thing. The don't reason why. Keep my best friend's name out of your mouth. The reason I touched on it was because a couple of days earlier I had read a, a Jezebel article about it. Had you? Mm-hmm. And that informed so I was you like, how it's, to feel? I was like, no, I was like, it's in, it's in, it's bubbling in the cult, in the culture. It's for bu- sure. People are talking about it. She's a business person. Like, you guys, do many musical artists become the face of Coca-Cola? Like, right. she's here to also, make money. Also, I just want to be clear. I'm not speaking for all people of color. I'm just speaking for me. Well, I am. And I'm going to say that. <laughs> yeah, and you're not listening to music on behalf of all white people. Like, Oh, fuck, Jesse, You just hit that. We oh, both like, wow, fucking, that was crazy. Wow. Jesse, that was good. That was a good point. Yeah, I think your dog agrees with me, too. Why? Okay. I know. It's Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, not to rail too hard into her. Oh, no, I'm railing. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, like, it's a song. And if it's pumping you up and getting you a job, then listen to the song that makes you feel good. Yeah, and this goes back to the whole discussion of, like, how do we enjoy art because every single fucking artist is becoming problematic now. Right. What isn't problematic, true life? Um, Well... It's Cinco de Mayo. I want to order some tacos on Postmates. So I'm done with you. But I hope you have a good day. And congratulations on your job. That's, yeah. That is the Yay. good news. Yeah, yeah. Let's end this on a positive note. I don't yeah, hate congrats. you. I don't, I don't hate you. I just like I don't I don't need to talk to you again. Also, um, I want to know what the song is. I'm like dying to know what the song uh, is. It's delicate. You know. By I, Taylor. That's yeah. the, OK. I feel like she's trying to figure out a way to be a good ally. Keep reading up on stuff about that. I, I can't. Don't know. I also, just like cool. go back to Fearless bullshit. because it was her best album, and like Fearless and Speak Now is like really the only acceptable Taylor albums in my eyes, and they're just so important to me and my self growth. Yeah. Are you going to see her? No, I'm not. Um, it's it's way too expensive. Should yeah. I order Angela? Sorry, a vegan taco. By the way. Yeah. I should. 
I guess so. Okay. I'm going to just... I ordered her too. It's a vegan banh mi taco. Like, ew. But you know what? That's her <laughs> life choice. Um, okay, girl. Well, I hope uh, everything works out for you. Jesse. thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. You're so, so fun. I know. You are really fun. You have to come back if, you, if you're willing to I'll do yell. it. Also, the calls got like progressively more annoying as the thing went on. So we started off <laughs> so do. sweet. And then by the end of it, we're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> we have to think about that moving forward. It's not I, that making was, like, me the hate only... the guests in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Well, or for like the last 60 minutes because yeah. by the time people get out of their car like they're probably going to feel a sense of rage like by the time they're done listening to this episode you know I was thinking about ending on the selfie question but then I would have had to start on the Taylor thing and I wanted to end on an update and I didn't know how you guys yeah were no take she was really like I mean that was just a lot and I think also she's a fucking liar like also, the I update was me. just like hey I still feel all the same way but I have a job but also like now I feel politically about it like before I just didn't know if it was okay to like Taylor Swift but now I also I'm worried about people of color like that. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, okay, like literally this is a Black Lives Matter issue I mean, for you now. it's great for you to get educated, but your song choice like, really has nothing to do with the movement. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever movement you're That's fucking true. Like literally, like what's the point? Like all I mean, wow. I mean, you really said it. You're not listening to music on behalf of all white people. It's fucking real. Um, Jesse, people can find you in life of the party. Um, yeah, which comes out May 11th. Yes, I'm very excited to see it. Thank I just you. got my movie pass. I don't know if that's okay to say to a person. Yeah, of course Is that it's like okay. saying it's like, like it I'm going to download it illegally? No. Okay. No. Okay. I just didn't know. I mean, but then again, I was like why would movie pass even exist? No, I love movie pass. It's great. It gets more people into a theater, which I think is like the best way to witness movies. I do too. I love it. And um people can find you online. Where can they find you online? I'm on Instagram at jennisennis like Tennis with a J and then Ennis again. And yeah. All right. Well, you guys, I'm Malls. This is Christina Lopez, our producer. This is also Wagon Stuff, our dog, who I did not order a taco. Um, and I will talk to you guys next week. This why are we ending every episode with him just like having a meltdown? This is his new mode in life. All right, bye guys. <laughs>